Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are talking about the kingdom of heaven, and we are going through the gospel of Matthew to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And I just want to encourage you, read through the gospel of Matthew while we're going through it. I, I think like our Voltage kids, are they're doing a challenge with our Voltage kids to read through the book of Matthew, so read it with your kids. Read it with your wife. Read it with your dog. Read it for your life. Hmm. Okay? Thank you. But could you explain, could you easily explain what the kingdom of heaven is? You know, this is actually important for Christians and non-Christians alike to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. Because when Jesus started his ministry, he came announcing and proclaiming to all that the kingdom of heaven was near. It wasn't just for a specific group of people. He's saying, this is for everybody. And news, as we know, news is something that changes and it affects all of us, right? If there's a change in political leadership, that is a change that will affect all of us, whether you want to believe it or not. It's news, right? So it is the same with Jesus. He brought good news to all people that the kingdom of heaven is near. So this is for all of us. And, you know, you can listen to the past week's messages um, about Matthew's chapter 1 to 10. You know, Matthew chapter 1 to 10. Oh, you guys, that's all about Jesus we love to love. Right? We got sweet baby Jesus. We got miracle healing Jesus. We got Jesus defeating Satan in the wilderness Jesus. You know, that's a, that's a fun Jesus. Yeah. Okay, well, today... We're going through chapters 11 to 13, and they are less, less happy, fluffy, lovey-dovey Jesus, okay? Just, are you guys ready for that? Okay, okay. So in chapter, in Matthew chapters 11 to 13, we are seeing what people think of Jesus, what people think of Jesus and this kingdom of heaven stuff, and how Jesus responds to them. Just a side note. If the Bible, were a man-made text. If this was a man-made religion, these chapters would probably be left out. Just so you know. Usually us humans, we don't want to include bad publicity in our marketing strategies. Right? Let me tell you, I've done uh, plays where we toured our play in the Fringe Festival, and I'm going to tell you something right now. On our posters, on social media, did we ever post a bad review? Heck no, we didn't. We only showed people the four or five star reviews, right? Not that we ever got a zero star review, okay? Only ever two and a half and up, okay? (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. (laughs) Um, But we put up the rave reviews. And in the Bible, Jesus, sure, he gets five star reviews, for sure. You know, we got people who are like, My life has changed. You need to see this show. You're going to love it, right? We got five-star reviews. We also have three-star reviews in the Bible. That was fine. Didn't change my life. Kind of a waste of an afternoon, right? But we also have zero-star reviews. 
get this guy off of the stage. Hated the show so much, plotted to kill the performer. <laughs> Legit. Just telling the truth. So in these chapters, how does Jesus respond to these reviews? How does Jesus respond to these thoughts and these reactions people are having about him and his kingdom? So we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 11 today, but there's three groups that I want to um, kind of focus on. Our first group are the doubters and the offended. The second group is the happy middle. And the third group are the little children. Okay, so first group is our doubters and the offended. Matthew 11, 1 to 6, we read this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Okay. Surprisingly, John the Baptist starts with a negative review. John the Baptist is asking Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? John the Baptist, for those who don't know, John the Baptist's life ministry was about preparing the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist is the one who saw Jesus coming from a way off and he said, that is the Lamb of God. That is the one who will take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. John the Baptist, when he baptized Jesus, Jesus came out of the water, heavens opened, dove came down, voice of God said, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. Because that's what God sounds like. A lady pretending to be a man. <gasps> okay. That is what John the Baptist experienced. John the Baptist told his own disciples to follow Jesus instead of him. He was a backer for Jesus. And now we find him asking, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? You guys, this is a surprising review. This is like JD giving a Marvel movie a zero-star review. <laughs> Shocking. It wouldn't happen. Don't tell me otherwise. No, stop. It's for my illustration. Okay. Okay. So what happened? Before Jesus came into John's life, John was a sensation. Crowds came to hear John out in the wilderness. He, they were, crowds were being baptized by John. He had come up against religious authorities and stood his ground. He was kind of famous. And now, he's in prison. Really, I think John is saying, Jesus... If you are God, if you are the Messiah, why is my life sucking? This is pretty relevant, I would say. I mean, people similar to John the Baptist who are raised in Christian homes, or, you know, maybe you had a supportiveness of Christianity growing up. As they grow up, they realize the difficulties and the hardness in life. 
They're wrestling what they believe about Christianity and Jesus. And they're asking, how do we know you are the one you say you are? That's relevant. Or it's so common to hear people say, myself included, well, if he's God, why is life bad? Why is there pain and suffering? I don't understand you, God. It's relevant. Modern thinkers, so many people are saying, how can Jesus say these exclusive claims? It offends me, right? What John is saying is so relevant for us today. My life isn't going the way I thought it would. I'm struggling, Jesus. I'm struggling with the way that you're conducting your ministry. I'm struggling. I'm offended. I'm doubting. And so how does Jesus respond to this? I don't know about you, but when my children question me, they're like, Mom, why do you get to stay up later than me? Mom, why do you get more dessert than me? And I'm like, be quiet. I'm your mom. That's why I'm bigger and I can. Right? You're like, ugh. Ugh, so annoying. Just let me have two bowls of ice cream. But Jesus, he doesn't get mad. Jesus, God himself, doesn't say, how dare you question me? I am God. He doesn't. Jesus says, he answers him. He says, the blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. He answers John's doubts. That's incredible. That's incredible for us. What a relief that God of the universe wants to answer our doubts and offense. I think it's interesting, too, that Jesus says at the end of this, he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other translations, it says, blessed are those who do not fall away because of me. Blessed are those who do not take offense at me. Jesus is saying that. Jesus is answering John's doubts. Jesus is saying, yeah, you will get offended with me. But blessed are those who don't stay that way. The message of Jesus is going to offend us. Like, if you truly look at Scripture, if you truly look at what Jesus is saying, the claims that Jesus makes about himself are extreme. Other prophets, other religions, they are pointing a way how to get to God. Jesus comes and says, I am God. And it is only through me that you will get to the Father. That is extreme. This is something no one else has ever claimed. Scripture tells us, Jesus, who is God himself, comes into his own creation to rescue and redeem it. That means somebody needs to be rescued and redeemed. That means we need to be rescued. The gospel, Jesus coming into earth, means you can't help yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't change the world on your own. You cannot save yourselves. You cannot be good enough to get to God by yourself. God needed to come down to earth and fix it and deal with this sin problem because we cannot. And if Jesus is who he says he is, and if he is truly God, and he, then he is the author of life. That means he is Lord over all and has final say in our lives. 
that offends us. It's offensive. And that's why in the Bible, the religious people, the good people, the rich, they did not like Jesus and what he was saying. They're like, I don't need rescuing or saving. They thought they had something to offer God. So they're offended with Jesus' claims. They're offended with how he ran his ministry, who he hung out with, who he spent his time with. He didn't fit in the God box that they had made. I mean, I get this. When I first started coming to church, when they'd be telling me I'm a sinner, I was like, excuse me? How dare you? You don't know me, right? Like, I got offended. It was my pride. I was offended. I, I really struggled with the whole sinner part. Jesus recognizes people will get offended with him, but he's saying, blessed are those who don't stay that way. We will get offended or doubt. And in that offense, in that doubt, we actually need to ask the question the same way John does. Because John comes to him and says, or not doesn't, he sends the message saying, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John does not say, if you're the one, Jesus, get me out of here. Get me out of prison, restore my ministry, change my circumstances, and then I'll believe that you are God. He just asks, are you the one? And so in our offense, in our questioning, are we truly just asking a question? Are we truly just coming to God and saying, are you the one? Or is it conditional questioning? Jesus, if you do this miracle, if you heal me, then I'll believe in you. If I get this promotion, Jesus, then I'll trust you. If you support me, Jesus, in the way I think I should live and let me do life the way I think it should go, then I'll follow you. Those are conditions that we're giving Jesus. And so maybe, maybe we're searching, maybe we're not getting answers or we're still in doubt and confused because we're not actually asking God a question. Maybe you've come to God with conditions, which... Conditions are kind of a, a nice way of putting, like, you've got an order on, from the Lord, or you're giving him a threat. So what does Jesus say to the doubters and the offended? He answers them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, good, get offended with me, because that means you're really listening. That means you're really understanding what the gospel is. And what we need to learn, like John to ask questions without conditions. Our second group is our happy middle, the middle grounders. Okay, Matthew 11, 20 to 24. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Torazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Okay, so this is offendable Jesus. Right? This is a little more intense. 
So who is Chorazin, who is Bethsaida, and Capernaum? These are little towns that Jesus went to, and he performed many miracles in them. So in these towns, in these small towns, there were tons of people. There were crowds of people who came and followed Jesus, who were listening to his teachings. They were excited. They were amazed. They saw miracles. They liked Jesus. They were like, great sermon, pastor, and they brought their friends. They liked him. So why woe to them? Comparing them with the cities Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, those three cities are big cities known for their wealth and also known for their cruelty and wickedness and moral corruption. So why is it more bearable for the wicked cities than for the little towns who liked him? Jesus is saying to Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, you were amazed, you listened, you followed, you saw my miracles, but you didn't let that change you. You did not repent. Okay. Okay. So what's repentance? Based off of what we know of these little towns, it can't be people who liked Jesus. It can't be people who realized they needed to change, needed to change. It couldn't be people who knew they should try harder. Those things aren't repentance. These people from the small towns just liked him. Jesus is woeing that, not like, whoa, okay. Not that kind of woe. Like a woe, like an ex- it's an exclamation of grief. Like this is the worst thing to Jesus, liking him. A middle-of-the-road view of him. Woe. So repentance... Can't be likening Jesus or realizing you need to change. Repentance is completely pulling up the foundation of your life and totally rebuilding your life on another foundation. Jesus is saying, I would rather, I would prefer if you completely hated me or utterly change your life for me than just liking me. He doesn't want us to hate him. Just let me clarify. He doesn't want us to hate him. (laughs) I'm hating Jesus. That's what the pastor said. (laughs) He doesn't want us to hate him. But what he's saying is places with people like Tyre, Sidon, and Solomon, the big city people, they are closer to repentance. They are closer to the kingdom because at least they're hearing and thinking about the offensiveness of the gospel. He's saying get out of the middle. And as Canadians, oh, this is hard. We love the middle. We love it. We love it. We want to live there, right? We love the middle. Oh, we're known for that across the globe, loving the middle. We want to be polite and nice. We don't want to stir the pot. Jesus is saying, get out of the middle in your faith. Don't just like me. Repent. So for us to be Christians, to, you know, to come to church on a Sunday and like the sermons and, you know, have a general approval of God and some of Jesus' teachings, but not actually repenting, 
not actually turning to Christ and letting him be the Lord of your life, actually following and doing what he teaches, actually turning from the way you want things to the way he wants, you're a middle grounder. I am, I am nervous about this in my own life of being a middle grounder. I am nervous about this. Because especially when you get in the, you know, you just continue, it's like, yeah, I go to church on Sunday, that's what I do. Yeah, church family is my life. Like, this is everything. But sometimes you can start getting into the middle ground and forget what you're doing or who it actually is about. And I remember first coming to church, man, and I was a kid who, I didn't grow up in church at all, and I liked the church. I liked the environment. I liked the sermons, especially when Pastor Mike talked about poop. Loved it. <laughs> God can use anything, guys. But I was not willing to give Jesus my whole life. There was a part of me, I'd come hungover on Sundays. I'm like, I'm still here. I'm going to show one up. Because I was scared. I was afraid to give him a part of my life. I was a middle grounder. But it, I think the amazing thing is, is he doesn't ask us to give him things because he doesn't want us to have fun. And man, I'm so thankful for how patient and kind he has been with me for certain things that he asks. You know, he asks you for something. He's like, give it to me. And he's so patient. I mean, it it's taken me years for certain things to actually be like, hey, I trust you. He is patient and he is gentle and he is kind. But why he deserves that is because he's the author of our lives. He knows what you need. He knows better than you know. Sorry to tell you. And he knows that there are things that are false gods that we make our foundation on. And he's like, that will not hold you. Only I can. So I have no regrets. I mean, I love him. And I, I have a warning, actually, to um, young people. I think we've been fed, you know, the YOLO? YOLO, you only live once. You know? It's a lie. Um, of, I really, I just feel like it's a lie that's been fed to our young people, and it's a lie that I believed, where... Um, where I thought, oh, I'll change when I'm older. I'll give that to God at another time. I'm just going to, like, live it up. I'm just going to party. I'm just going to, like, have fun. That is a lie. It's a lie. Repent now. If there is something you're like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it later when I'm older and more mature. Do it now. Get out of the middle ground. He wants all of you. And lastly, the little children. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. This doesn't, don't get nervous. This doesn't literally mean the old and the educated don't know or can't know God. And it doesn't literally mean that only little children know and understand God. 
I think the, the NLT version, I like it, how it's worded. It says, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. And that word childlike or little children, the Greek word is napios, which actually is better translate, translated as an infant. An infant. So, you know, infants. There's a few popping out in this church. That was graphic. I'm sorry. I repent. Okay. Um, but an infant, an infant, they, they are completely, completely needy of you to survive. Right? An infant is not too proud to accept your help 24-7. All my parents who are up during the night taking care of those wee little babes, you know what I'm talking about. Right? And there comes a point. There's a transition point from infancy, oh, sweet little baby, to them being like, no, I can do it myself, mummy. Right? Those two-year-olds, I'm in the two-year-old phase right now. Oh, help me, Jesus. He's like, no, I can wipe my own butt, mom. And I'm like, no, you can't. It is a mess, and I don't like this, right? They're like, there's a transition, sweet little baby, into I don't need your help, mom. The offensive message of the cross says, you are so lost, you are so helpless, that only the death of the Son of God will save you. He is going to take what you deserve. Watch what happens to him. That's what should happen to you. The wise or the learned that Jesus is referring to, when they hear that message, they say, I'm not lost. I'm not helpless. I can save myself. I can make my own way. I will be the Lord of my life. I can do it myself. But the spiritual child or infant, they hear this message and they realize, yes, I am too weak. Yes, I am too helpless. I am too sinful. I am too lost. And I accept that gift of grace from Jesus. I accept and I need him fully. So Jesus' response to the wise and learned, he's saying, the truth of who I am will be hidden from you. But his response to the spiritual infant is, I will reveal the truth of who I am and you will understand Jesus is saying, take this truth, take the offensive message of the cross, and let it knock you out of the deadly spiritual middle. And turn it on yourself, and use it to make yourself a little child spiritually, and then your life will be changed. The life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus... Though it offends our pride, it shows us he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. In your doubting, in your questioning, in your offense, he loves you. And though there is painful stuff in this world, it can't be because he doesn't love us. The cross shows us he loves us. And so I want to encourage us this morning, read the Gospels, read the Bible, go to a Bible study. If Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is in fact God, I mean, I want to find out now before it's too late. Find out, ask him those questions. Wrestle with Jesus about your doubts. And he knows it, well, there's going to be things that offend us. 
but he wants to answer us. But don't stay in your offense. Ask Jesus to reveal himself to you without conditions, no conditions. And allow these claims to get you out of the middle ground and just liking Jesus. Repent and build your life on Jesus. Allow yourself to be humbled and come to God as a spiritual infant. I have um, a last verse that I want to read and how Jesus wraps up um, Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I want you to actually, I want you to close your eyes while I read this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Father, that God, that you have an upside-down kingdom. Lord, that you know your message will offend our pride. But God, that you want our hearts. You want all of us. Lord, that you see each of us sitting here. God, we're all on a different journey. Father, there are those of us who are here and we are offended. We can't get past certain things in the Bible. We are offended. We're doubting, we're questioning, we're wrestling. God, thank you that you see us. God, you actually hear these questions or these things that we're struggling with. Holy Father, thank you that you want to answer them. Thank you, God, that you want to open up our ears to hear. Holy Father, I pray for each of those people who are offended. Each of those people who, who actually want to just like wrestle through and move to the other side and, and leave their offense behind. Father, I pray that they would ask questions without conditions. And God, would you reveal your voice? Would you reveal your truth to them? Heavenly Father, would you, would you come into, into their lives, Father, and direct their path? And Father, would they trust you, Jesus? And Lord, I pray for all of those who are living kind of in the middle ground. They like you, but they're, they just feel like when I talked about living in the middle ground, they knew it was them I was talking to. God, thank you that you love us in whatever stage we're in. But Heavenly Father, would you make your message clear? clear to those of us that we do get a little rattled, but then that we actually see your love on the other side and that we cling to that love and that we become passionate people for you, Jesus. Lord, help us get us, get us out of the middle ground, Father. And Lord, we pray for, for all of our hearts. God, would we, be, would we be spiritual children? God, would we recognize our need for you? God, would we recognize our hopelessness without you? Would we realize that we need you 24-7 and that's not a bad thing to be needy for you, Jesus. 
God, transform our hearts, transform our minds. God, would we stop going from performing? God, would we stop going from thinking we have it all figured out and we're gonna do things our way? God, would we become spiritual children? God, transform our hearts. all to stand up and man what a perfect song to end on firm foundation Christ is my firm foundation I want to encourage you use this song use this song to respond to Jesus use this song to go from I was my foundation was built on this but Jesus help me uproot and stand on your foundation and I just told I do believe I think sometimes as Canadians we need to get a little riled up for Jesus you need to realize this is your life. This is your life. This is your eternal, your eternity is in the hands of God. And we could at this moment make that decision. I'm not going to be a spiritual middle grounder. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. He wants all of your heart. Man, he wants you. He wants you. He is not a bad God, but he is a good, good father. So let us respond. Let us not care what our neighbors think. Who cares? The God of heaven and earth is here and he wants your heart. Let's worship. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.